Nobody makes it easier to stay on top of all of your health concerns than Meridian Medical Services. Hey, it's JMV. Call them today, 317-925-0811, and schedule your heart screening. I know my situation. You should, too. Make the call. It is affordable. It is easy, and you will know. 317-925-0811. Nobody's more affordable. Nobody's easier than Meridian Medical Services. Call them today, 317-925-0811. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from ESPN.com, I'm assuming had one hell of a stretch run this season covering the Jacksonville Jaguars. It is our friend Duraco, Mike Duraco, with us. So the future's so bright down there, you got to wear shades. Is that like a little Timbuk3 action going on in Jacksonville for the football future? Well, it is 80 degrees and sunny with barely a wisp of clouds in the sky, so I guess that's what you could say but uh, yeah everybody around here is certainly uh, excited about 2023 it's been a while i think since there was this much enthusiasm uh for uh, you know an impending season after one just ended so uh, everyone around here isn't enjoying it for sure we'll see how it goes though what is the feeling from the fan base regarding the future of trevor lawrence after this past year Oh gosh, they are they it is markedly different than it was last year because there were a lot of people who were vocal that he didn't have what it took, that he was a bust and the Jags made another mistake and now it's pretty unanimous that he's headed for that superstardom level of Burrow and Mahomes and and um you know Josh Allen and and Herbert those kind of guys. Um so it's uh, like I said it's just all happiness and wonderfulness here in Jacksonville this off season. Um, which is great for the franchise because they're trying to get some stadium work done. Um, and that's supposed to kind of get thrown out to the city council in the next couple of months. So uh, you, you got to strike while the iron's hot. So everybody here is excited. 100%. Yeah. It, so that's, it, uh, that's good too. It, it seems like it's happening at a good time within the AFC South. You could also make an argument anytime, basically in the AFC South is a good time to get hot or get better. But uh, certainly at this time, when you look around, there are a hell of a lot more questions, Mike, than answers. Yeah. I mean, you have the best quarterback head coach, um, I guess combination or situation here in the division right now. Um, you've got a what a rookie head coach um, in Indianapolis. You don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be in Houston. You have a rookie head coach, and you don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be. And in Tennessee, you've got a rookie GM, uh, a proven head coach, a very underrated head coach, I think. Um, and you, I think it's going to be Ryan Tannehill, but who knows. Uh, and certainly shouldn't be Malik Willis, so you don't really know where they're going and how much longer can you build an offense around a running back that's going to turn 30. So um, if you are wanting to pick the early favorite, I don't think you can choose any other team but the Jags in 2023. All right, James Robert Cooter. As the passing game, what was the title down there? Passing game coordinator? Is that what it was yeah. in Jacksonville? Yeah. I was going to say passing game specialist. Close. Uh, what, what did he add as far as the growth that we saw? Uh, if you wanted to target anything that he added to that offense with the growth that we saw, what would that have been? Um, well, I think a lot of it was, you know, he was sort of the assistant to Press Taylor. I guess it's kind of the best way to, to look at it. Assistant to Press Taylor, assistant to Doug Peterson. He did a lot of uh, scouting work, a lot of film work, um, and sort of helped Trevor go through that offense and sort of pare down the things that maybe he was better at and the things he liked a little bit more. 
than some of the stuff that he didn't. Because, you know, as you know, coming out of that Andy Reid tree, there's a pretty thick playbook and things can kind of get a little uh, overloaded there. And, um, you know, that was his main duty there. But also, you know, in the in the quarterback room, just being another quarterback to kind of help him figure things out. You know, that was one of the things that, that I thought was a really good thing that Doug Peterson did last year is in addition to himself being a former quarterback, but Mike McCoy, the quarterback's coach, is a uh, you know, former quarterback. Uh, Jim Bob Cooter, former quarterback. Uh, and uh, Press Taylor, former quarterback. So, you know, if if you've got four quarterback guys around the quarterback, there's a lot of uh, information there and a lot of resources. Um, but the question was always going to be, hey, was it going to become too much, too many cooks in the kitchen? And uh, it never got to that point where, you know, Trevor was overwhelmed or – you know, there was some uh, competing points of view on stuff. They did a really good job of kind of obviously staying, you know, with one message. And obviously there are some differences of opinion and stuff here, but it never became an issue. Um, so, but Jim Bob Cooter did a lot of, um, a lot of uh, advance work too uh, on opposing defenses to sort of kind of help out, uh, you know, the game plan kind of evolve. And he was part of that as well. Mike Duracto of ESPN.com is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Maybe it's just me for not noticing enough because obviously this is happening in Indy where you pay more attention to it. But is it odd kind of that one guy as the passing game coordinator, in this case, Jim Bob Cooter goes to another team within the division? Um. Yes and no. I mean, if you didn't want to lose the guy, you you don't want to lose the guy to to a division foe for sure. But at the same time, you know, it's a chance for him to call plays. And um, at least I think he's going to well, call. No, no he call won't. Him. Yeah, he Shane Steichen. Yeah, okay. Shane Steichen said last okay. week he's going to call him, which we'll get to in a okay. second. But continue. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I think it would have been a bigger loss for the like again. Don't get me wrong; they didn't want to see him go. But I, you know, if you had to choose losing Press Taylor or losing Jim Bob Cooter, I think you would say, okay, you know, I think I'd probably rather lose Jim Bob Cooter at this point. Um, you know, because Doug has a you know a better relationship with Press Taylor; they've been together for a while, sort of in each other's heads at that point. But uh, yeah, it's just interesting. I mean, it, it, it's a promotion, and you really can't keep those guys from from you know taking those interviews and stuff because the league does not allow you to block anybody for you know a promotion job or a coordinator job so um you know i guess he just wanted to be that coordinator and he did it in in uh in detroit and uh, obviously he wants to be a head coach and, and the path to being a head coach in the nfl this day and age is you got to be a play caller and an offensive guy so we'll see how that goes for him but uh i mean the Jags didn't want to lose him for sure but i don't know that they view it as a massive loss yeah, I just yeah, I would agree with that too. I just didn't know because I sit here, and then obviously it's more under under the microscope here that you get into than if it happens. And maybe it happens, or maybe it occurs in other places. I just don't pay that much attention to. But you did allude to the play calling, and Shane Steichen said last week upon being hired that he was going to be the the play caller, and and this is a little odd. And I'll I'll let you go ahead and opine about it too, considering that while in Philadelphia, Shane Steichen was the offensive coordinator who was not initially in year number one calling the plays for Nick Sirianni, and then Nick Sirianni felt he got a little bit overwhelmed with it, handed the playbook to him for him to start calling it, and things got better, especially this past year, what they did offensively and getting to the Super Bowl. Does that surprise you at all, that maybe going through what what – Shane Steichen did in Philadelphia is not the case on how he's starting as a first-time head coach and handing off those duties here in Indy. 
Yeah, I mean, a little, well, I mean, like I look at Doug Peterson, and Doug Peterson, um, you know, was a play caller in Philadelphia as well when he first became the head football coach there. And, you know, he was a guy that was able to kind of handle it. You know, there's a lot of work that goes into calling plays and trying to build the roster and, and, and figure out the game plans. And then you still got to keep your finger on the pulse about what's going on in, in um, special teams and on defense. And it boils down to you have to have a group of guys on your staff that are really attuned to what you want to do. The communication is very, very clear. There's no ambiguity on, you know, in, in what's expected of everyone. And, um, you know, if that is what's in place, then I think you can do that. Um, you know, and Doug Peterson, obviously here in Jacksonville, he had the whole five years in in uh, in Philly to sort of kind of draw back on. So he's certainly an old hat at this. But I think it takes a while to kind of get used to that if that's what you're going to do. And if you're a first-time head coach, uh, it, it can be a little overwhelming with all the stuff that you have to do. I can remember when I was uh, – when I was covering the University of Florida and the, and the Gators hired Ron Zook way back in the day. And um, after, you know, year two, uh, Ron Zook and I were just chatting and he was like, look, I had no idea what I was getting into in terms of being a head coach. He's like, you think, you know, from watching all these other head coaches and working on a staff and seeing things. But he's like, until you are sitting in that thing, that chair, you really don't know because there's a hundred things that we don't even think about. Um, that you have to deal with. Like, you know what? Is Friday going to be, you know, pizza day during training camp? You know, is, you know, what, what, what color socks do we want these guys to wear at practice? I mean, all that kind of stuff, all the minutia is what can kind of overwhelm guys in their first stint as a head coach. And I think having the staff that you can trust um, and guys that are on the same page can help you with that. So we'll have to see how it goes. But it, it's no shame if he has to give up the play calling duties, I don't think, at least until he gets his feet under. Yeah, you'll be interested, and I know obviously an in, interested bystander in this case with, with Jacksonville in mind. But, Mike, you're going to be looking at coming up in in the draft. I mean, Houston, Houston put themselves in the two-hole, which was pretty funny and very Houston the way they did that in the final regular season game up here. But you have, as it stands right now, Chris Ballard and the Colts at number four. I, I'm going to assume here that they are, are going to try more than I think what a lot of people think to have that ultimate decision at number one. That remains to be seen. But how do you think in a couple of years, quarterback-wise, where we may be going, how will this AFC South look? Because you're going to have Trevor Lawrence clearly, you know, being the guy, and then maybe some of these up and comers as well. Are we going to reach a point to where this division is going to be across the board decent, or is it going to be a spinning wheels type of thing in the foreseeable future? Uh, you know, I, I think the potential is there for it to kind of look like what we thought the AFC West was going to look like this past year with Russell Wilson and Justin Herbert and Derek Carr, who was coming off a really, really good year, and obviously Patrick Mahomes. Um, but I think, you know, I'm a big Bryce Young guy. Um, I know he doesn't have the complete and total physical package that you want, but I've watched him enough at, at Alabama. The kid's a magician, and I really like him. Uh, C.J. Stroud is a physical specimen, and I think he'll be a pretty good starter in the league too. So if you end up with those two guys in this division – um, who knows what the, where the Titans are going to go on, but I do think that if they hit the quarterbacks, then, then that's the, the, the 75% of what you need. 
Uh, we saw, I mean, look, you guys remember Jacksonville in 2017. It was a run the ball, make a play occasionally as the quarterback, don't lose the game, um, and play really, really good defense. It lasted for one year. Um, this year's Jaguars defense wasn't very good, and you found a quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, and now all of a sudden you're the kings of the division. So find the quarterback, and everything else kind of falls in place. And if those two teams – because if, if the Colts move up to number one, and I kind of agree with you, I think that needs to be what they pull off somehow, then you've got Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud in this division, and it's probably the division with the three, you know, two or three years from now, you will be talking about it as the division with the three best young quarterbacks in the game. It's uh, Mike Duraco of ESPN.com covers the Jaguars. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I do want to bring up free agency just a little bit here because a year ago Jacksonville went off what the normal script is and they handed a buttload of money to Christian Kirk and I'm sorry you look at it the way that it turned out and it went really well will that shake up any philosophies around the NFL in terms of free agents and skill position players because Mike Full disclosure here, I wish it would shake some things up around here. I really do. I don't know if it's going to. Who knows? I hope there's a, a change or an adjustment in philosophy. But do you think other teams get a grasp on what Jacksonville did to make their offense better this past year in free agency? Um, I, I don't know because the thing of it is, is you know, teams have the philosophy – it's, it's pretty set. You know, you're like the, the Packers are not going to go out and spend a ton of money in free agency. That is just not what they want to do. And in reality, you don't really want to have to do that anyway. You want to be good enough to draft your team, um, you know, like a team like the Steelers does, um, where they're able to kind of draft and keep developing and they still manage to make the playoffs. And, you know, Mike Tomlin just wins and wins and wins. Um, you know, I think we'll see some teams go ahead and make the big splash. Um, but I, I don't know that, that it's going to be like, hey, look, let's go ahead and, 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 you know, follow the Jags model and sign, you know, a skill position player that is pretty good, but don't that no one thinks is really an elite player and overpay, reset the market, piss off every other team in the league <laughs> and then hope it works out. Um you know, which is essentially what happened. Now, it worked out great for the Jags, absolutely. And, and the Zay Jones signing, the Evan Ingram signing worked out fantastic, too. But, you know, how many times do you see a, a team bat, you know, seven, 800 in free agency? It really, sometimes it just doesn't happen. Um, you know, you, you sign a couple of guys, you think that they're going to be great fits. It doesn't work out. Things don't happen. Uh, and then you're stuck in salary cap hell. And, you know, I think that's sort of why a lot of teams don't want to do that. But, you know, I do think there's times when you should go out there and open the checkbook, especially if you feel like you're one or two players away and, and that guy comes available. Um, you know, it, whether that involves free agency or potential trade, you know, we hear all this talk about DeAndre Hopkins wants out. Well, yeah. where would he go? You know, that kind of stuff. And the same thing with, you know, the quarterbacks are a whole different story there with the Aaron Rodgers stuff. So we'll see how that goes. But, um, yeah, I, I just think that teams are going to stick with what they feel comfortable with uh, and maybe an outlier, you know, every once in a while go spend big. But, you know, I know the Jags don't want to do that, have to do that again either. Uh, you know, they've got some salary cap issues this year. they got to get under the cap $31 million over. And, you know, I don't expect them to be big players in free agency at all. And Trent Baalke has said, hey, look, I don't want to have to do that again. Uh, I'd rather just pick up some depth guys and, you know, occasionally here and there spend on somebody. 
Um, so we'll see how that works out this year for them. But, you know, they, they nailed it last year without question. Yeah, I, I agree. I, and, again, I I don't know how Chris is going to get around it in, in some respect with yeah, trying to get more offensive help with this team the way that it is right now, especially with the things on this team that, that he has had, you know, as uh, a foundational piece philosophy-wise in a build that just hasn't worked. Before I let you go, any tough name decisions that, that Trent Balky and Jacksonville will have to make coming up here in the foreseeable future? Uh, I think Shaquille Griffin is, is gone. Uh, it's just a formality of whenever they cut him, and that'll save them $13 million. Um, I think they're going to approach some guys about restructures, but it would not surprise me if a guy like Roy Robertson-Harris uh, the defensive tackle and Jamal Agnew, the kick returner receiver, are released. Um, but those guys are also guys they could come to and say, hey, can we restructure a little bit and push some money ahead? Um, and, and, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they approach Christian Kirk about doing the same kind of thing. Um, you know, the, the Jags were, will, will be going into Trevor Lawrence's third year. Uh, you know, after that is when you can first re-sign the guy or sign the guy to a big extension. I wouldn't expect them to do that. I think they would go the next two two years uh, and then start talking big deal there. So you can you have that flexibility to push money in the future when you don't have to pay the quarterback. It's uh, Mike DiRocco of ESPN.com. Uh, a little bit about the AFC South as we uh, get closer and closer to free agency. Actually, we got to whisk by the combine. Are you coming up here next week? I, I am not. This is actually the first time in like four or five years that I am not making the trip to the combine. So uh, just a little bit more late uh, February golf for me. Well, one less guest. That I can get. It's one of my favorite things. You know, you'd think that I'd be thrilled about having it around here, but it's not that big of a thrill because you go down and do the show and you have all these guests. I know you wouldn't do that to me, but you have all these guests, especially these players that walk right by you and you'd love to talk to, but you're told over and over again they don't have time. They just keep on moving. So, unless yeah. you're a special interest type of deal. So yeah, I keep hearing from some of our uh, older or more experienced writers about how it used to be back when in the day when you would just be standing around and, and yeah. guys would walk out of a meeting or something and you would just grab the players and you could talk to them as long as you wanted. So things have changed. Yeah, I, listen, I, I go back to this is probably twelve years ago. I was staked out in the uh, in the Hyatt over here because I couldn't I wasn't at this station and uh, they had the Colts here so they they kept me out of going to the combine and doing a show so I did it from uh, the Hyatt and I'd have somebody bring guests that were like walking they recognized they're walking into the hotel but you know I remember going you know to um, Lucas Oil Stadium and sitting in the the lobby area the entry area right there and you'd have you know back then there was only like a couple of radio stations and then the Sirius XM NFL radio and that was about it and now I mean, now it's just like a radio row at the Super Bowl at the Combine. That's what you got. Yeah, it's not real conducive to getting a lot of unique stuff from people, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> not, um, yeah, not. They got to control the message, man. That's all they want to make sure. Make sure the right message gets out. Yeah, no doubt. Always a pleasure. Have a great off season, and I'm sure we'll catch up again relatively soon, Mike. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.
Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from the Indianapolis Star, writing about a lot of stuff right now, Joel A. Erickson. I don't. Do you have a great level of concern for some of the exodus that's going on with this coaching staff right now? And in particular, what I guess is going to end up happening with uh, Bubba Ventrone? Um, Bubba Ventrone's a really good special teams coordinator, but that doesn't mean that Shane Sykin can't find another good one if uh, – if uh, if he decides if Bubba Ventron decides to leave, I, I just think that you know Bubba Bubba's a good, he's he's good at his job. Uh, he's been good at his job, uh, especially in the coverage and coverage units and the and the kick return units. Um, and, and you have a guy who's good at his job end up leaving. Special teams coordinators are sometimes the guys who end up getting kept over in a lot of places. But uh, yeah, I mean, you you if Shane Steichen that he he wants to hire. And, and that guy's good too. It, it won't be a big, a big deal. Yeah, and I, I don't look at it as the the biggest of deals here. And I, I do. I agree with you. Ventrone is good. Yeah. Besides this Cleveland interest, had had you been aware of any other interests that he might have had with an open gig, special teams wise, around the NFL? No. And a lot of the special teams jobs, it seemed like, had uh, been carried over. I know Chris Tabor uh, carried over on Frank Reich's staff in Carolina from the previous staff. Um, it's one of those positions end up carrying over from staff to staff a little bit, uh, just in general, um, probably for a lot of different reasons, but it's just, it's just kind of one of the things that ends up happening. So, uh, I guess it's a little bit of a surprise to see this, this maybe come just because I know the Colts value, uh, what Ventrone's brought to the table in terms of not just his performance in special teams, but helping develop players who made it off of special teams and became, you know, key people for the the offense or defense over the last couple of years, but you know, uh, it's it's one of those positions that it just depends. It just depends on if they find somebody else to replace them who's good. You just don't want to see that. That's a place where the Colts have have won, won some on the margins over the last years and you'd like to keep winning those margins so joel erickson the star covers the colts with us via the andy moore automotive group hotline this is going to be an opinion piece right here but do you have in your mind who may have been the second place nominee for colts head coach that ultimately went to shane steichen um only only know that uh that jim ursay mentioned you know he mentioned by name raheem morris and aaron glenn and rich Passaccia. Uh, in the press conference, which is you know unusual, but we got a, we got a glimpse inside the process, um, and, and so those those are the guys that that stick out to me, just because those are the guys Ursay mentioned by name. Yeah, I, I kind of wanted that as well, as as far as the fact he brought that up. I, the other thing is, I know we're just now getting into it. Of course, the combine is is coming up, and then we're really going to get into what they're going to end up doing as far as a quarterback selection. We all think coming up in the spring draft. How, how do you think this team will handle? free agency, both with their own and around the NFL, Joel? Um, well, Chris Ballard said that there were some, some parts of his 
there were some parts of his his roster building philosophy that maybe he needed to look at. I think one of the ones that we often talk and fans often talk about is not going after the big gun free agent. They're kind of letting it come to him. Um, maybe that's something that changes. Um, I, I think think the cap space is an issue because they can create cap space pretty pretty quickly. Um, I I don't know. I don't know what to expect. I don't know if I think I think the big thing start predicting that they're going to be a big-time player in free agency. That seems foolhardy given what we know about the way Chris Ballard's operated in the past. Um, I, I think maybe you could see some more signings, but even even that is, is something that I have to see before. Uh, I have to see him be a little bit more aggressive in the first couple of days at least one time to uh, to kind of predict that as opposed to, you know, the last couple of years um, – some some big additions in free agency last year. Some big additions through trade. He's he's liked to add guys through trade in the past, um, but not necessarily the spending sprees that I think fans want. Well, I'm curious your thoughts on this because I, you probably already know mine. But owning the fact that the results with your philosophy and and your blueprint hasn't worked, aren't you kind of forced into doing something that? You wouldn't necessarily do in the past, and certainly we sit here right now, and until we see it, you know, we're not going to believe it. Being, you know, more aggressive at points in the past where that wasn't a part of the equation in putting together a team. I think I think it's possible. I think it's also, you know, I keep thinking back to the owners' meetings last year when we asked Jim Irsay about spending, and, and I know that the the owner said, "Hey, we we spent a ton." back when we signed Andre Johnson and, and Trent Cole and all those guys, and everybody talked about how great our offseason was, and it didn't turn out that way. So it's it's often pinned on Ballard, but I thought that that answer was, was intriguing in terms of the Colts' owner saying that, uh, you know, maybe going big in free agency isn't, isn't always the best idea, and that makes it more of an organizational decision. So I'm very interested to see how it plays out. I'm interested to see, you know, the – said there about maybe needing to change his approach i'm cautious on predicting too much of a wild change <laughs> i mean what the hell you've already owned it right i i i would like to be different than that joel i would like to go the other way and say hey you've tried this enough of this and the lack of results you know you you own that yourself in that initial press conference at the end of the season you know why not try something new? But I think I would tend to agree with you. That's something you have to believe. To believe it, you got to see it. I I I would like to see. I think that when they made some of those veteran additions and gone out and gotten some of those guys, they've done a pretty good job at it. I I don't necessarily want to see them. I don't necessarily know that that just automatically outspending everybody and, and buying like twelve players every year is going to work because we've seen a lot of teams try that approach and. Fail. Uh, by, you know, handing out contracts that don't end up being good. So, but I, I do think that if if you have been successful at finding some of these guys in the past, and it's it's actually a fairly lengthy list. Ball Sheard was a free agent. Danico Autry was a free agent. Um, you know, Stephon Gilmore last year was a really good signing. If if you've got signings like you've invested some money and gotten good return, you know, trust trust yourself a little bit. And and maybe maybe go out and get a few more. Um, you, you, maybe you don't want to do the the we're gonna sign nine guys in the first day. 
because you don't want to you don't want to just waste all your cap on guys who aren't going to be uh, good. <laughs> but if if you're good at it, maybe make a few more investments there. And I I think even even outside of the top of it, I thought I think that one of the things that always strikes me about the Eagles and the way they build their lines when they've been really good is they have guys who are on the bench who are veterans who are very good and maybe they didn't cost that much. Um, names that you know and names that have been successful in the NFL. And you had to pay maybe a little bit more than a draft pick to get them, but you end up with this super deep defensive line, you know, which is something Chris Ballard's always talked about, and they've always been a couple guys short. Well, maybe a couple more of those signings fills out that defensive line and gives you the, the line that you want to have. All right, I want to ask you about one with a one-year deal in Yannick Ngakwe. Did he show this team enough, or are they looking for something a little bit more? Listen, everybody's always looking for something more dynamic off the edge, but are they going to spend as much on somebody that's going to give you probably that or maybe even less again coming up next year? I I think that uh, especially, and we don't necessarily know exactly, They haven't. no one's reported that Gus Bradley is going anywhere have any reports that Gus Bradley's staying. He's he's probably more valuable to Bradley than other people because of the Leo. But I also felt like they were expecting more of an impact from him last year and didn't quite get it. And and that makes me think that depending on what he wants money wise and what he's gonna get. And maybe maybe he goes and tries the market and it doesn't come and you end up getting him for for something. He was actually fairly, relatively cheap for a pass rusher last year. Um, although I, I just didn't think the production lived up to the reputation in terms of we had nine and a half sacks. I know he led the team, but in terms of in terms of play by play affecting the off, uh, affecting the quarterback, right? Um, it, it you know him and DeForest Buckner was worlds apart. Yeah, I completely agree. I do completely agree on that. So that that would I guess shock me a little bit um who's going to to be there any names that you expect right now at the top of the list that will not be a part of this squad in 2023 for one reason or the other anybody pique your interest i mean i mean the obvious ones are the quarterbacks the obvious ones are the quarterbacks you you feel like they're going to move on i mean you know you're, you're probably going to need a a seat warmer for a rookie quarterback you know, if I'm Matt Ryan, I wouldn't. I would make the Colts cut me so that I could get as much money as possible. I feel like I don't feel like I necessarily owe you anything uh, in terms of in terms of giving you a discount for no reason by retiring or you know voluntarily giving that up. But Matt Ryan also doesn't feel like the kind of quarter to seat warm for anybody. You know, I, I don't know. I think a lot of those quarterbacks who've had careers like Ryan's. And, you know, people can debate falls on the quarterbacking list or whatever, but that's 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 a guy who's probably who's the who that probably is the best player in the history of the Atlanta Falcons, you know? That's a a very distinct does does he want to or need to do the Andy Dalton thing or the Ryan Fitzpatrick thing? I I don't know. You know? I mean The Gardner Menchu is the most commonly mentioned thing around me. Well, because of Steichen. Uh, yes, I mean, that's right. Because of that relatability, yeah. Yeah, obviously because of Steichen, um, and, and you know maybe maybe that's how that works. It's it's kind of hard actually to know exactly what to expect with Shane Steichen as a 
as a quarterback evaluator because he's had so many different types. Um, and uh, and I think ultimately the veteran, you know, if whenever they sign a veteran, you know, assuming assuming they move on from Ryan and move on from Foles, whenever they sign a veteran, um, I think people are probably going to be angry and <laughs> underwhelmed. But the reality is that signing this year is signing that that really in the long-term future of the franchise or even the short term necessarily matters a ton because, I like you said earlier, we're all expecting that a quarterback's going to be taken, and we should be given what Jim Irsay said last week. So yeah. whoever they sign there, like, you don't actually ne- – you don't actually want to be that great because you don't want them to be the kind of player who's who might start and play well enough that you can't uh, necessarily put him on the bench when the rookie is if, if you want to play the you know so it's it's going to be I'm assuming that veteran is going to be somebody a little bit south of of that Minshew Minshew obviously is kind of in that range and has some history with stuff. maybe they do that but you know, I, who, who knows what Minshew's market's going to be uh, at this point. Yeah, no doubt about that. Joy Erickson, the star, covers the Colts. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So, a nice segue. You brought up what Jim Irsay said regarding the Alabama quarterback last week, uh, which I'm, I'm sure thrilled uh, Chris and company when he did say that. Do you, do you expect – I talked about the, the aggressive approach you expect or don't in free agency. How aggressive do you expect them – to be at going after a quarterback because Rick Venturi was on me last week and he said, listen, you don't get up here very often and you sure as hell don't want to be up here again. So as long as you're up here, go to the top and get what you want at that position. Will the, will they be that aggressive in doing that? Will they is hard. Will they is hard to know. Will, like, will they, cause we just haven't seen Ballard far in the draft but he did i mean i was the one who asked point blank uh at his end of the season press conference if you feel like a guy is the guy would you move heaven and earth and he said yes he said unequivocally yes before i even finished the question i i find it hard to believe that you could evaluate the four quarterbacks that are expected to go at or near the top of the first round and get to a point where you're like you know i feel comfortable getting all of them there none of them stand out I think they're all going to be good. Um, we feel good about, or even, or even two or three. I, I find it hard to believe that somebody wouldn't stick out to you above the pack. And and if they don't, I think you're in a real tough spot because, right. like you know, this is a pick that you don't. This is a pick that you don't get very often. But I feel like you're going to like one. Of, I feel like you're going to fall in love with one of those guys. And if it's me, if this, if it's me. I just do whatever it takes to make sure I get whoever's on top of my list. And we can talk about what they gave, what, what you have to that stuff. But the reality is if you get the right guy, the actual right guy, no one will ever care what you gave up. There's no doubt. Who cares, yeah. who cares what the Chiefs gave up to get Patrick Mahomes? Yeah. Well, it, if, and, the Chiefs could go, if the Chiefs could go back and do it, if the Chiefs had to go back and do it again, they were like, "Well, this time we want two more first-round picks." They'd be like, "Sure, I don't care." I, it, same thing with the Bills moving up for Josh Allen. So, if you really think it, whoever's on top of that list, I would do whatever it had to to make sure that I got them. Maybe you have intel from a player's agent. Uh, I think if you've gone, if anyone's gone back and read some of the stories on Patrick Mahomes. 
and and the uh, courtship of and evaluation of him. Um, there was a sense there that they felt like they had a good relationship with the agent, and he was kind of trying to steer Mahomes a little bit towards the Chiefs. That helped. If if you feel like you have really good information, really, really good information, maybe you can get that player at four. But I just don't want to take that chance unless I feel like it's somebody I absolutely trust. Well, here's the other part about that, too. And I, I've sat here and I've said a number of times, I don't want to see them settle. I told that to Rick Venturi and he agreed. But I don't know if we're ever going to actually know if they settled or not. Are we? I mean, I, I, unless somebody comes out and you know says, well, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, we'll never find that out. No, no, what we need, what we would need for that, to, what we would need for something like that to happen is somebody to be in the draft room who wasn't, who wouldn't typically be there. Uh, and that's that. I don't see that happening here. So when I was covering the Saints, uh, the year that Mahomes got taken, the the, the uh, TPC Louisiana was holding its PGA Tour event, and Sean Payton let Ryan Palmer and Jordan Spieth be in the room for the first night of the draft. And the Saints take Marshawn Lattimore, which he's been a great corner and uh, at the time seemed like a best-case scenario for the Saints because they needed a corner. They didn't think there was any way he would fall to him. And then Mahomes goes off the 11th pick. Well, then the next day, reporters are covering the golf tournament, and we're getting ready to cover the second and third rounds of the draft. And I believe Ryan Palmer was the one who said, oh, they were getting ready to take Mahomes. <laughs> and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> uh, I played it and said, you know, we would have taken Lattimore anyway, but right. you always wonder about that. But it's that kind of thing that has to happen for us to find out about it. Or, I mean, the other way to find out about it, and this has happened with some other draft picks, uh, I'm told over the years, is that, you know, three or four or five years down the road, Jim Mercer will be talking about drafts and casually mention that they wanted to get somebody else. But that's right. the only way to find out. Because you're right. Whoever they draft, they're going to sell. And they should, because if you draft a player, you should be trying to do whatever you can to, to succeed. But, yeah, I, they're, they're not going to tell us that. They're not going to say, well, this was our second choice. Yeah. How deep do you think they would go? As far as moving up to number one, and I'm, I'm, there's probably a line <laughs> that is so easy to draw right here, given you know the Ballard experience overall here. But um, I mean, is there? Do they have right now what you think it's going to take for Chicago to move one for them to get up there compared to yeah, other teams that are around them, but also uh, that aren't all the way up, that also wouldn't mind to take a, a swift swing at a quarterback. Because because they're at four, I think they have enough. the The question is, the question is like, do they have a valuation on that pick? Um, because Carolina doing it, uh, if they fall in love with somebody, the, the the owner there, David Tepper, has been open about his desire to win and to do whatever it takes. I mean, he he openly said at Frank Reich's introductory press conference down there, "Hey, we're going to pay staffers." We're going to pay whatever we have to to get the best staff in here that we can get, you know, and and that's a that's a franchise that kind of like the Colts is very aware of what happens when you don't have the guy at quarterback. So I, I could see the Panthers the Panthers just going, we'll give you whatever you want, and you can keep right. saying the price. And I think that's possible for several of the quarterback needy teams now. If you're the Colts, do you match that? Well, it depends. Again, if you think he's the guy, go get him. And if if you're wrong, I mean, 
yeah, you'll you'll get killed for it, but you'd get killed for it anyway. Anytime the quarterback, anytime a quarterback fails, you're going to get killed for it. You know, and your time in in a place will be done. So you might as well take your shot with the guy you believe in, whatever it. Yeah, I, I and I would agree. That's been my philosophy. But again, there's no real way to tell, you know, other than you know getting success for the guy you pick. Or, you know, having somebody kind of squeal or leak information, ever really knowing uh, exactly if they settled or their belief was staying at number four and taking whatever quarterback that they ended up taking because of that particular availability. Joel A. Erickson of the Stars with us. Before I let you go, I want to double back really quick to Gus Bradley. Uh, Are there any questions with you right now that he is not going to maintain as the defensive coordinator, or are there some kind of floating around with you? Yes, uh, I'm curious that they haven't, you know, that we haven't seen a report or really anything on Bradley's status, and maybe that's, maybe that's by design, and maybe it's just, you know, they've decided to retain them, and they're just not saying, and they're going to do. Sometimes teams like to do the thing where they only officially acknowledge um, the coaching staff once it's all put together. Um, Colts, I don't know if they've done that in the past. A lot of it, I, I assume, would probably fall on what Steichen wants. Um, but it is. I mean, it's interesting that we haven't seen a report yet because I mean, we all know that the the Colts like Gus Bradley, and they they ha- they didn't let him interview for lateral jobs or or go for lateral jobs. So the assumption has been that that he's probably going to be the guy here. Especially, um, you know, I went back and found a, a quote from the middle of the season where uh, Tyken was essentially, you know, gushing over who Gus Bradley is, both as a person as a coach. And the respect he has for him as a defensive coordinator, all that, all those dots connect. But you know, it's also a week later, yeah. And we don't have any any further information. And you, you, you probably would have. I probably would have said the same thing yesterday about Bubba Ventura. Me too. I would have said the same thing. Yes. And then you had the Ventura. Yeah, I mean, the longer it goes without us having a firm resolution or or anything reported then yes i do start wondering if it's as slam dunk a deal as it seems that's uh joel a erickson of the star what do you got new here before i let you go tell the folks well i you know it, we, we published it today online but i, I got a hold of philip rivers called over the weekend um I, I had emailed him after steichen was hired and said hey can you uh you know do you want to is there any way you want to talk about shane and he, he got back to me over the weekend we wrote it and put it up it's i think there's some really revealing there about who Steichen is as an offensive mind, who he is as a coach. Uh, you know, Rivers. Rivers got a chance to kind of watch him grow up. You know, he, he didn't. He only had him as a as an interim offensive coordinator for half a season, but he had him for basically his entire NFL coaching career, and they they kind of hit it off right away. Obviously, Jim Mersey said in the that uh, Philip Rivers' recommendation was a key part of Shane Steichen being the guy. And, yeah, I, I got a chance to talk to Philip Rivers about it and uh, what he likes about Shane Steichen, you know, what his coaching style is. You know, uh, there's an interesting piece in there where he's talking about him being fiery and saying saying he didn't feel like it was performative, which is an interesting thing to work from a, a veteran quarterback who's been around a lot of locker rooms, a lot of coaches. He said, he didn't, he said when Steichen screams, he doesn't feel like it's performative. I'm going to scream and yell just to make sure you know I can scream and yell. He said it's more comes out of – we're better than this. <laughs> um, and so he said he can be fiery, but it comes from the right place. 
which I thought was a, was an interesting thing and an interesting thing to hear from a, uh, somebody who's been you know in a lot of locker rooms over the years. So that's that's the one I was. Well, that that sounds a little bit like Philip Rivers right there, who will be be fiery, but yeah. he's not going to drop any f bombs on you or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and Philip Rivers. I mean, we all saw after the year here how much uh, the te- how much teammates loved Uncle Phil. You don't no do doubt. that with a guy. Well, NFL players have a pretty high BS meter. They they can tell when guys are doing stuff just for the heck of it, or, or just to to please people. And so Philip Rivers is a good example. I mean, I think we all know as fiery as they come, but it never felt like I, you know, to to the players in the locker room and stuff. They're like, that's that's just who that guy is. And I think as long as it comes from a place of that's who that guy is, and you're not trying to fake it, uh, it's well received. It's amazing, by the way, how um, alike Jonathan Gannon and Shane Steichen look without a hat. Have you noticed that? <laughs> Now, Steichen would have to shave a little bit, but they look they look incredibly alike without a hat. They both they both have very like they they got you know a little bit of skin tan going on in every other place, but right there on their head. So Gannon's got a little bit darker hair. You know, we had him here for a little while. Yeah, seen him a little bit more, but I can see that. The other thing though is that Shane Steichen is really tall. He is. Yeah, uh, which makes sense. I mean, he played quarterback, so but yeah, Shane Steichen's tall. But yeah, I, if if you're seeing him on a Zoom screen or something, I, I, you're not the first person who said that to me. Actually, in the last in that's the last weird. Week. I thought I was that was going to be my original. That stinks. <laughs> hey, by the way, Mike Sanford, who coached um, Shane Steichen, the quarterback at UNLV, I had him on last week. Had some really interesting things to say. I didn't know, and I talked to. To Shane, the day prior, I didn't know that he was actually sleeping in the basement of Mike Sanford when he got that GA gig at Louisville first time out. So that's... yeah, yeah, those, those like, all of those coach stories for those those paying dues stuff, they're all interesting like that. You know, Parks Fraser left last week, and like I remember in, when I first got here, and, and Zach Kiefer was still working at Indy Star. He did a story on Fraser, and Reich had to tell him. Uh, if I find out you were here after a certain time, you're in trouble because he just wasn't going home, you know? Yeah. And yeah. All, all those, all those grinded out jobs, I think those pay your dues type jobs. Every time you hear about it, guys will do, guys will do a lot to get into the NFL. Well, and uh, he didn't, he didn't move Mike Sanford to ask him to go in 2014 and being assistant coach at Indiana state and Terre Haute. Uh, which uh, he did turn that down, and I had to make light of that being a sycamore myself. So he turned that down and went to Cleveland instead. So probably a probably a better choice, to be honest with you. <laughs> so anyway, all right, Joel, I appreciate you, man. We'll look for that with Philip Rivers. Yep, yep. Thanks for having me on. Life is full of things to manage: your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta Ofatumumab twenty milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. 
Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline from everything sports here in central Indiana. And certainly down in Harrison County, loud and clear, I'm assuming coming up on on uh, Saturday. It's uh, Greg Rakestraw with us. So let me get this straight. Lanesville, Harrison County, correct? Correct. Corridon Central, Harrison County, correct? Kent County seat, correct. So did North Harrison not get the invite? What happened here? Well, North Harrison uh, was pretty good a few years ago. They made the state finals in 2016 and 2017. In fact, with Lanesville making the girls' state finals on Saturday, all four Harrison County high schools have played in the girls' basketball state finals in the last 20 years. Who's the other one? What's the other school? South Central would be the other one. There are the two South Central. So there's South Central of Union Mills, which fittingly, given the fact that you're giving away Dave Matthews Band tickets, they're the satellites. The South Central Rebels from my neck of the woods, located in lovely Elizabeth. Gotcha. It's uh, Greg Rakestraw with us. I also thought about this. Has there ever been anybody that has called a state championship game that is from the school in which they're doing the play-by-play for? Me in 2017 for the baseball team uh, is one. <laughs> if Sullivan had beaten Beach Grove in the semi-state last year, Jerry Baker and I would have swapped games. I got you. So, Bake is a Sullivan grad. Uh, that's what I thought. I, game last I guessed year. him a little bit earlier, him being from yeah. Sullivan, by the way. You know yeah. what? With, with Jerry Baker, I'm sorry. Whenever you hear we're doing these uh, IHSAA what they call them, vignettes or whatever here yeah. uh, daily. And when you hear Jerry Baker do a call, it, it, it I'm telling you, it gives you a little bit of a chill. It does. Wakes up the echoes, does it not? It does. So uh, Mark James was on the sideline because I was doing the play-by-play, and I offered him the chance to switch. And he said no when Monrovia won the football state final in 2A in 2015. Uh, and I'm trying to think of, of like the other play-by-play guys. Uh, Blackman is a North White guy. Right. Uh, they they have, they have not been downstate. That I think they made the semi-state last year. I think is as far as they have gone. So if we keep having this conversation, I'm sure we will unearth it. But off the top of my head, for the sake of the bit, it's a pretty short list. So Greg Graystraw is with us. The girls' state finals coming up 10:30, 12:45. The morning sessions, early afternoon session as well. One A, two A, and then three A and four A's at six and eight fifteen, respectively. It seems like that there's a lot of new name flavor going on this year in the finals. That is correct. Your your buddy's team in, in Bedford North Lawrence. They're kind of the, the one bit of the old guard. Yeah. Forest Park is the defending 2A champs, but you have five first-time finalists, Lanesville being one, their opponent Bethany Christian being the other. The only other team that's been before is Corden Central. That's been 18 years since they made it. And again, Fishers has been really good, but A, they've only been open as a high school since 2007, and B, they play in that murderer's row of a Hamilton County sectional where you can win a state championship and then not make it out of your sectional the next five or six years. So, so them being here is, is 
to some degree not a surprise. South Bend Washington was such a heavy favorite, and then their top player got hurt at the end of the year, and, and it kind of brought them back to the pack a little bit. But uh, Fishers is a really good team, and frankly, having seen both Fishers and Bedford North Lawrence, I think that 4A game is going to be phenomenal. It may not be pretty. It may not be a lot of offense, but those two teams are very similar. They switch everything. Yep. They're completely in Jersey defensively. That might be first to 40 wins. I saw B&L and Center Grove on Saturday morning, and the thing that stuck out to me was how physical Jeff has his lady stars play they they play and yeah and i give you a great example too chloe spring is is clearly their best their best player best offensive player and she she was chicken winging it and elbowing and everything they're a top to bottom very physical group well again they have now they have the longest sectional street in the state i think it's 12 straight sectionals that they have won so they are used to playing deep into february it's been a few years since they have played in the state championship game. But Jeff does a great job of getting them up to play as many of the larger teams as possible. I don't think the indie gap in girls' basketball is as big as it is in boys' basketball or in football. But still, once you get them through their seven Hoosier Hills Conference games, man, they play North Central. I think they play Brownsburg. Noblesville. They play in the Hall of Fame Classic this year. So. They play a schedule that has them battle tested. Yeah, you know what? You you, you got to do that. As much as I love Southern Indiana, I know you do as well. Especially if you consider New Albany and Jeffersonville, or for that matter, any of the Evansville schools that are down. You, you have to kind of look ahead and schedule that way if you want to truly prep your team. Right, and, and it is out of the point in in every sport. If you think you are going to be a state championship caliber team. You had better make, you know, if you're a 1A team, then it's a matter of, okay, I need to play as many 3A, 4As as possible. And, for example, Lanesville has done that. They have wins over Floyd Central, New Albany, and East Central, who play in the Hall of Fame Classic. Their two losses, one is to Porton, still playing. The other was to Memorial out of Evansville, and that was in Vincennes' Holiday Tournament Championship. If you're a 4A team that's not from the Indianapolis area and you think we've got a chance to win a state title, you had better get as many Indianapolis or Hamilton County, Hendricks County suburban schools on the schedule as you can. Because you know if you're going to win a state title, you have to play at least one of those schools of that ilk and be ready for it come February for the girls or March for the boys. Yeah, it's not just like Fishers. You're just like in Fishers, and you like play three games in, in your conference or in your area, <laughs> and that's going to get you ready for it as we, as we saw in their sectional. Absolutely right. And that I was there. I didn't was there for the Friday night game. I did the sectional championship, which was their mud sock rivalry game. And and again, the crowd there were a sight to behold. And again, Fishers, the Smith twins are gonna go to Ball State. They'll play seven or eight, but kinda like Bedford North Lawrence, not a lot of size. Just and it, it they're they're the team that I have ever I've never heard somebody when describing a team in, in girls basketball mention physical as much as they do with Fishers, which is why I think that 4A game is going to be really good. I know that Jeff was a part of the coaching staff in 2014. They won. That game was played at the Holman Center, right? That championship game? Correct. So there was a a string of years where they were either played in Terre Haute or played in Fort Wayne uh, because the Big Ten tournament basically had blocked off all of, um, you know, then Conseco or or Bankers Life Fieldhouse. But it has now been several years that those events have been back and obviously will be for the foreseeable future. The only event 
is going to get moved out of Indy in the near future. I did a wrestling last Saturday, and they drew 30,000 over two days for the wrestling state finals. That is on the move because of All-Star Weekend next year. Simply nothing you can do about that. Uh, Chloe Spreen for BNL is really good. And I, I go all yeah. the way back. I remember when you know BNL had Marla Inman and uh, Carrie Mount and Amy Walker, just a great group back then uh, that, uh, that ultimately won it all. But uh, you're right. I mean, th- this group is not – not tall, but they are feisty. They are tough. They get up in you defensively. And not a lot of threes taken either. That's the other thing I noticed on Saturday morning. They don't shoot a high volume whatsoever that we normally see of threes. Everything is kind of mid-range into the lane stuff. They're an old school motion and flex offense, aren't they? Yep. Just keep moving the ball. Just keep back cutting. And they'll, event, they'll occasionally take a three, but they know their best game is get to the rim because they can they can play positionless basketball. Now, a lot, when we say positionless basketball these days, a lot of that is, all right, four out or five out, drive, kick, space, knock down a three. Then it's the old school flex cuts and motion to get somebody open going to the lane, and they know because of how well they defend you, they don't have to be in this race to, to 60. Frankly, Bedford feels if they get to 50, they have you beat because you're not scoring 50 on them. So Greg Rakestraw's got you coming up on Saturday. The girls' state finals, Bethany Christian, Lanesville, 1030, LaPelle, Forest Park, 1245, 6 o'clock in 3A, Fairfield and Corridon Central, and then that 815 4A matchup, which unfortunately is going to be Oppo, IU, and Purdue for a lot of folks. Fishers yeah. and Bedford North Lawrence coming up at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. That is on Saturday evening. Uh, I'm going to get to the Colts post-game show host a part of the duties that you certainly uphold to a high level every single fall. I mentioned this. Bubba Ventrone, other coaches that are exiting, coaches that are coming in. I'm not as concerned about this change as far as coaching staff is concerned. Uh, you know, obviously beyond the head coaching position as others, and especially in terms of Bubba Ventrone is in mind. Am I downplaying this too much, you think? I don't think you are because I think it's about the players. Um, and, and I agree that Bubba Ventrone is a talented special teams coach, um, but there are also other spe- talented special teams coaches or talented offense coordinators, defensive coordinators, or position coaches, what have you. Yes, I, I want a great coaching staff, and especially with a young quarterback that we all think is coming in here, that's where most of our attention is going to be. But I am very much a believer in the National Football League that there's – do coaches make mistakes in the NFL? Of course they do. Are some coaches better than others in the National Football League? Of course they are. These are still 32 of the best insert position here, coaches in the world for this sport. It's all about the personnel that you have. That is, that, that is what is first and foremost Then the coaches come into play after that. Is Zach Eady still the player of the year in the Big Ten right now? And is Trace Jackson Davis – getting in that domain if that call would be made today oh it's it's a two-player race i mean it's those two i still think it's edie's but trace has made it a conversation just as indiana has made a conversation for the top spot in the league even though indiana's gonna face a couple of tough ones this week again they are running into such an emotional buzzsaw in in michigan state tonight um you know all things being equal I like Indiana's chances, and then given what happened last week, I don't like Indiana's chances in that game. And then knowing Indiana's already got a double D against Purdue, everything Purdue is doing is focused on, you know, splitting the regular season series and not letting Indiana come to their building and get a W on Saturday. 
So I, I, I like what Mike Woodson's team is doing. I don't like this week for them. But to your question, it's still Zach Eadie's. But Trace Jackson Davis is getting close in the rearview mirror. Let's put it that way. Josh Shirts getting things going at Indiana State. One more time. I know that uh, stretch run here, a little arch madness. How are you feeling about the Sycamores after they went through back in January that five-game losing skid? It, it's, it's weird. I mean, they're looking at with two games left to go, they have gone six-game losing streak or six-game winning streak, five-game losing streak, and then, what, seven-game winning streak on right. top of that. Uh, and now with, with two more games left to go. So, again, this is through no fault of their own. This is not the old days of the Valley where this is going to be a two- or three-bid league. It is, it is a really good league. You could say it's amongst the best of the one-bid leagues, but it is a one-bid league. So for everything good that the Sycamores have done, as it relates to the NCAA tournament, they know they've got to win three games in three days in St. Louis next weekend. Um, but since uh, I figured you'd like this, I'm actually going to be leading into you on Thursday and Friday. Nice. I don't have enough of my plate to do this week, so I'm going to be the uh, the midday host on Thursday and Friday. Nice. And Josh Schertz is joining the show Thursday what? at 1230. How about that? Well, I'm going to... On Thursday, I'm going to get him on tomorrow. Then that would be a really crank move by me, wouldn't it? <laughs> you can ask all your questions. I'll try to ask different questions when we get together. No, no, I'll let you. I'll let you do that for sure. That's that's awesome, though. No, it's it's good for them that they're in in that position, especially yeah. after losing five consecutive. It looked like it was circling the drain, but they they got it back going again. Michael Lewis, or as Dane Fife likes to reference him, Dennis. Dennis Lewis and the job he's done in year one in Muncie. Phenomenal. Uh, so much to the point that he's starting to get mentioned for other jobs already. Now, I'm not sure he's leaving after one year. And everything that I said uh, about uh, Indiana State applies to Ball State. You're not getting multiple teams out of the MAC. And, I, and the difference is I think there is definitively maybe a team or two in the MAC that's better than Ball State. But, again, he still has them going in the right direction. And, oh, Mike, by the way, Michael's going to be on the show on Thursday as well, just so you know. So I'm going to book him, too. Coaches you can bring up that I can tease that I'll have on the, on the radio station later this week. Well, I, I'm going to bring up in, in closing here, Thad Mata, your number one back at Butler, and just in, incredibly discouraging and disappointing, especially the way things went at home against Georgetown. Um, I, I like Jaden Taylor a great deal from Perry Meridian. There's no doubt we're watching him grow but there has been little to really grasp other than disappointment this year. And I know the Butler fans were kind of, you know, preparing for that, but not at this level. You agree? Right. And, and obviously, you know, there have been these, these, these nicer moments and the Xavier win a couple of Fridays ago is something you can puff your chest out. But then you back it up by losing to what is amazing to become kind of the bingo free space of that league. Nobody loses to Georgetown, let alone in your own building. And Georgetown came in and beat Butler on Sunday. So you're right. Um, yeah, I think anybody expected this team to be over the moon in Thad's first. It would be a work in progress. But I think everybody thought they'd be better than they are. And so there's not been many things to feel great about. But losing to Georgetown is, is, is amazingly pretty low these days in the Big East. That's exactly where Butler's at at this moment. Yeah, so Greg Rakestraw is going to be the midday host coming up on Thursday and Friday. And Thursday, Josh Schertz, Indiana State head coach, and uh, the Dane Five coin, Dennis Lewis, also known as Michael Lewis, the first-year head yeah. coach at Ball State, is going to join you on Thursday. Well done. 
Thank you, brother. And not to mention, you know, you'd be stunned to find this out. Angie Hinton, coach of the Lanesville Lady Eagles, also on Thursday's show. Give them some love. Here on 93.5 and 107.5. Give them some love there for Southern Indiana. Love it. Absolutely I can, love I can it. be far more unbalanced on the radio on Thursday <laughs> than I can be on TV on Saturday. Let's put it that way. I can't wait to turn that on on Saturday morning and watch that. See if I can see if I can find any levels in which are different than normal from me, like levels of excitement that are pure and emotional. I'm going to see if I can find it. I, I've only got four relatives on the team, John. Uh, I will I will do my best to keep this as down the middle. <laughs> well, I mean. <laughs> That's probably not a wide swath, is it? There, I um, guess. You know, we're we're all kind of it's, the, the the gene pool is a little bit different. You know, we're all that did sound terrible. I'm glad I said that to you and not somebody else. That's horrible. I, I, I can I can I know where you're from. It's Halton Lane, so you can say that because I'm dealing with the same thing right there, my brother. Right. I'll see you in here coming up on Thursday. See you, buddy. Hey, fans, want new flooring and want it now. March is the time to buy it floors to your home. Right, Brian Kahn? It really is, JMV. We have the state's largest selection of new flooring in stock. And we've just received additional truckloads of new hardwood, laminate, and waterproof flooring. So we're marking everything down. Brian, I'm looking at some of your incredible deals. We always sell up to 50% off those big box stores. But for a limited time, you can get new flooring starting at just 80 cents a square foot. 80 cents a square foot? That's incredible. That's three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof starting under $350 at Floors to Your Home. And you can get it right now. We have over 1,200 styles in stock. Floors to Your Home is the place for the lowest prices anywhere in Indiana. I'm doing my whole house. Three very convenient locations. Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who has the lowest prices on flooring? Floors to Your Home. That's who.